5, 1 John chapter 3, James chapter 5 and 1 John chapter 3. While we're turning there, I have learned, and I am still learning by the grace of God, um, to constantly dwell on what the next message is going to be. Um, it, don't get me wrong, that's a good thing. Uh, you want to talk about constantly having your mind on the things of Christ, that'll help when you're preaching or you're teaching. Any man that's ever taught or preached here, or, or even women uh, uh, teaching in any class of any scenario, it's going to be on your mind what you're going to teach. And before you know what you're going to teach, it's on your mind, what am I going to teach? Lord, please show me what you would have me to teach. It's, it's a good thing. But it changes how you read Scripture. Because if you know that you have a message coming up or uh, of the sort, it changes how you read Scripture. Because, oh, you're paying attention so much the more to what you're reading. Amen. The responsibility is so high when it comes to the Word of God. It's something we, we, we have to take seriously. Um, with conviction of a pure heart, if we want to be spirit-led. Uh, I have seen and heard and witnessed talented preachers that are great orators. But later found out they're completely in sin the whole time. And they can be smart. They can be... And, and, I, have, and I have seen and witnessed men that were not smart. They were unlearned men. Um, they were not good orators. But God moved in their message in a mighty way because the power isn't in the orator, it's in the, the Lord, amen. And I find so much comfort in that, amen. With that being said, it's a lot harder to put a message together when you don't know what the message is yet. So I come, um, got home from work. Got a quick bite to eat, took a shower. I dropped off some glue at Brother Raleigh's house and um, come to the church. And now it's 8 o'clock. I mean like 8.01. I don't even know where I'm going to study yet. No, these days I'm better at coming into that because it's like morning and night you're, you're dwelling and praying, right? But I, I, I had no direction yet. Um, so what did I do? I said a 30-minute prayer. I sat in my chair and I just started reading scripture. Then I'd go somewhere else, read scripture, praying the whole time, Lord, please show me something, please show me something. I got two or three scriptures in and um, and by the way, at that point, I, I, it's important that I throw out, I hadn't gone over the prayer list at all, not even at all. But in my mind, um, it was late. <laughs> Brother Jim, I got a message. I have this many hours because Friday night is gone, right? And half of Saturday, like it just, I got so many hours for a message. And, and in my mind, Lord, I, I really don't have time to go to the prayer list right now. I'll go over it later. But I tell myself, knowing that I'll be up late studying and it just, that's what I did. Um, I didn't have time is what I told myself. Then God directed me to this scripture and I read it with conviction in my heart. James 5.13, is any sick, is any among you afflicted, let him pray. Is any merry, let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he, uh, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. 
Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Can anybody guess what I did after I read that? I stopped what I was doing. And I went over the prayer sheet. I prayed for our church. I, 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 I know that God moves when you pray for others, but I was busy, I told myself. Right? I know that God wants to hear us pray, yet it was late in the night already. That's what I told myself. I knew that prayer is the most important tool that we have, but yet I didn't yield it as I should. Prayer availeth so much, yet it is so easy Put it off. Brother Shine, would you open this message in a word of prayer, sir? Amen. After praying as I should, um, boy, it was so much easier to put a message together. And um, um, bef- that night I had a, that one message 85% done, and then I had another message started. The next day I went to study, and, and God showed me something else in Scripture. Uh, then then on, this was on Friday, then on Saturday, God showed me something else in Scripture, all in the same passages. And, and I'm like, Lord, I can't put this all in a message. Uh, I'm telling you, that never happens. Like, God doesn't just say, here you go, boom, 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 boom. But there's a lesson there for me. I'm just sharing you with what it was. Amen. I got three points this, this evening. Number one, saved sinners. Saved sinners. James chapter 5, verse 19. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save his soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. When we read this passage, at least when I read it, and I feel like I'm a normal person, um, I immediately think of the lost. Uh, immediately, I, when I see the word converteth and converteth a soul and save a soul from death, I, I'm thinking the lost person. It's just naturally. But I stopped and went back to verse 19 and said, who is the subject of this verse? It says, brethren. So who's the subject? Who's, who's he talking to? Saved, born again believers. 
If any of you do err from the truth, so he's talking to saved believers, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, so that means that it's not a lost person, we're talking about a saved person, but he said convert. That, that confused me a little bit, so I looked up the word convert. Where is it? It says convert, to, tor- to, to turn toward a point. When we think of conversion, we think of a person getting saved. But what is about to be said is not talking to the lost. He's talking to somebody who's born again, a Christian. So could I summarize this in something that we would say? He's talking to the backslider. I'm a low-hanging fruit guy. So if I could put it low-hanging fruit, that's great. I'm not the smartest tool in the shed. Just the best looking. Amen. As my grandpa would always say. Thank you, Miss Kathy. That wasn't a joke. So, <laughs> amen, amen, amen. But you notice it says, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way. Here, the born again believer is being called a sinner. How can a child of God be a sinner when we know that he's a new creature? 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Scripture tells us that we're a new creature. It doesn't say that we're sinless. You say, well, well Pastor, what about this verse? And this is, this is so valid. 1 John 3.4, Whosoever committeth sin transgress, transgresseth, also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Talking about Jesus Christ, obviously. Whoso, whosoever abideth in him, that's talking about Christ, sinneth not. Whoa, now I highlighted that. That's some direct language now. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. So in this verse it's saying if you if, 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 if you sin, you, you, you don't know him. Look at verse 7. It says, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is, is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning for this purpose. The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And here's, here's the verse I'm getting to. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and look at this, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. At face value, I mean, you you read that, and that contradicts what I know to be true. I sin. (laughs) I'm a sinner. How can I reconcile that? What am I missing? He cannot sin because he's born of God. I sinned. We just read scripture in James talking about the sinner that's born again, erring from the truth. Talking about backsliding. Because I don't believe John is saying that you can't sin, but that you shouldn't. You say, Pastor, that is directly against what scripture says. And looking at those verses alone, I can see where you would say that. 
I'm going to look at some other scriptures, but let me preface it by saying this. I think John's saying, saying it like this. You can't cheat on your wife because you're married. You can't cheat. You, you can cheat, but you can't cheat. I think it's like saying um, you can't take what's yours. You can't, you can't take what's yours. You, you can, but you can't. You're, you're a Christian. You, you, you can't cuss because you're a Christian. Yeah, you can cuss. But you can't cuss, Brother Tony, you're a Christian. You say, Pastor, you're putting words in John's mouth. John clearly says you cannot sin. Here's my answer to that. I believe with all my heart that Moses and David are in heaven right now. You say, what does that have to do with anything? Because in the same context of Scripture, scroll right on down to verse 15, just a few verses later. The same subject matter, the same context. He says, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. As then he's saying, if you're saved, you, you can't be a murderer. You, you can, but you can't be. The difference is our sins are forgiven. Number one, we're saved sinners. Saved by grace. Number two, we're love sinners. Romans 5, 8, and it's worth turning there. I know we know this by heart. Thank God that we do. But Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, I would never give my life for someone I didn't love. Not that I, I could be related to the Son of God or, or God himself. To us, that's illogical. But can I just point out here, it says, but God commendeth his love toward us. Who's he talking to? Saved, born-again believers, right? In that while we were yet what? Sinners. Christ died for us. He literally says when we were sinners, Christ loved us. Does Christ love us less after we're born again? No. Christ loves sinners. That's why he died for us. Then I tried to be a good Bible student, and like we know what words are, but it helps just to look at them anyways. It just it just helps. Um, sometimes it doesn't change anything. Like we knew that, Brad Jim, but sometimes it's like, wow, it really clarifies something in our in our in our brains. Uh, we're not as smart as we think we are. But commend means giving praise, especially publicly. And and, and this is cool. And, and this is almost a side thing, but it's not. I, I got really excited about this. Commendeth means present te tense, active. So present tense, giving praise publicly. Amen. Bear with me. This is awesome. I think it's awesome. I, I'll get excited anyways. Amen. What does what, Hamlin say? I'll sign my own Bible. Amen. Romans 5, 8 says, but God commendeth his love toward us, as in he is actively, uh, publicly giving praise and declaring that he actively loves us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In that God loves us right now, he's proclaiming it publicly right now, presently, proclaiming his love toward us. And back then. Not just back then, but continually. And, 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 and this might seem like a small thing. And it is compared to other things. 
but it's still fact and truth, and it gets me excited. I just want to read you what some other versions say. Romans 5.8, good news translation. This is where I got to be careful because somebody can take a sound bite, right? It makes me always nervous when I do that. I need to have a big X across the screen when I'm reading it. Amen. Romans 5.8, in the good news translation, which we don't like. Amen. <clears throat> says, but God has shown us how much he loves us. It was while we were sinners that Christ died for us. New Living Translation says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Uh, uh, the contemporary English version says, but God showed how much he loved us by having Christ died for us, even though we were sinful. But yet the King James is present tense. God is still showing his love toward us, <laughs> even from the cross. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Can we turn to Psalms chapter 5, verse 5? Psalms chapter 5, verse 5. Number one, we're saved sinners. We're sinners saved by grace. Thank God for that. Number two, we are loved sinners. We are loved sinners. I want, I want to look at some old, I want to bring out some Old Testament scripture that is harsh in language towards how God feels about us. It's not very loving. Not at all. Psalms 5.5, 5, the foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Huh. If he loves us so much to die for us, why is he hating workers of iniquity? That's sinners. Right here it's saying he hates sinners essentially. The next verse says, thou shalt destroy them that speak, leasing the Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man, strong language. Look at Psalms 11.5. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Verse 6, but upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and in horrible tempest this shall be the portion of their cup. Strong language. Strong language. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but Romans 9, 13 says, It is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Hated. Turn to 1 Corinthians 16, 22. A couple more scriptures. We won't be too long tonight. It's really a dreaded thing, some pastors, when they say that, and it's like, it's like, it's like that it eases their mind, like, oh, we can go a lot longer now, right? I, I do try to watch our time, Amen. And now when Miss Kathy starts to fall asleep, I know it's time to, time to move on. Amen. <laughs> Verse Corinthians 16, 22. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. You say, well, that's talking about the, 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 the love to God, <clears throat> right? But I'm showing you the harsh language that Scripture has. Uh, anathema is Greek for cursed, excommunicated. Uh, Maranatha means divinely appointed, as in divinely cursed, divinely excommunicated. That's a strong language from a father that loves us. How can we reconcile this? And, and by the way, you, you want to, there's particularly Old Testament, particularly, but all throughout Scripture, there's verses like that that says words like God abhorreth the sinner, God hateth the sinner. How do we reconcile this? Because God clearly says he loves the sinner. He died for the John 3, 16, right? I mean, right? He loves the sinner. How can we reconcile this? God loves sinners, but he loves sinners that seek him. 
I love Miss Hope, but I love Ava because she's my daughter. I, I, I love Brother Jim. Right? It's hard. It's just hard. But I love Ben. He's, he's, my, he's my blood relative. I love him so much the more because he loves me. You say, okay, okay, Pastor, but that doesn't answer the question. Maybe this will illustrate it a little better. A mother to her child. Let's just say a mother is, this is what I envisioned in my mind. A mother go visits her child in prison, and there's that glass in between them. And let's just say uh, uh, he's in there for some heinous, murderous crimes. Maybe he was a serial rapist and a serial murderer. You know what she would say to her son? Because she's always going to love him. You know what she would say? Probably with tears, son, I love you. But I hate what you've become. We not only forget, but we don't even, we cannot fathom the righteousness of God. And we're so used to downplaying our sins. It was just a little sin. I just lied to whatever. Oh, it's just this. I just, and we're so used to all these little sins, just a bad thought in our brain. We think, oh, it's okay. It's not going to hurt anybody. God hates that. He abhorreth it. He hates that. I believe that God so loves us. But yet, boy, he could sure hate what we've become. I had a child in deep sin. I love him, but hate what he become. Psalm, can we turn to Psalms 103, verse 11? You know, God loves the sinner and hates the sin, as in God hates the sinner in his sin. There can be debate among that and crossing T's and, and dotting I's and, and how it's said. That's why I said it this way, and I'll rephrase it, because I'm sure I'll get YouTube comments from the far right. God loves the sinner and hates the sin, as in, and I'm going to add to that, God hates the sinner in his sin. Just like the mother to the child that's in prison. She loves him, but hates what he's become, hates what he's doing. Psalm 103.11 says, For as high... For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is the, his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. What's the, oh, I dare say the fundamentalist right, legalist, let me say that, the legalist crowd, um, do you, do you know that there's people that think my music is liberal? Christians think that we're liberal here. I know. Leave your, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Um, I just lost my train of thought thinking about how silly that was. Oh, the legalist crowd will say something like, in their rebellion, in their, oh, I'm so smart, 
Um, well, chapter, book, and verse, well, it doesn't exactly say that. It doesn't say, God never said I had to clean my room. Well, clearly, the principle in Scripture is there. Obey your parents and Lord, for this is right. And your mom and dad tell you to clean your room, right? But God never said I had to clean it. So we all would look for all these little things. I can wear what I want. I can do what I want because the Bible never says it. Ha, ha, ha. So what, what did that same crowd do? Let me go on the map. How far is the east is from the west? So the map, if I have, you know, you could go on Google, I guess, and, and figure out this part of the earth and that part of the earth. Or if you're just not very bright, you could get a globe and say it's this much, right? But that's what legalism is. Throwing away the grace of God and how wonderful it is. that he, He's not saying God, God forgot our sin from here to here. He's saying God forgot our sin. He put it way far out. Is it, he, never to remember. I thank God for that. Man, we, we cannot comprehend how great that is. Number one, the safe sinner. Number two, the love sinner. And finally, and it'll be the shortest of all, don't get too excited, the forgiven sinner. Turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. I, I, for, I forget. I, I, look, I've given you guys time to turn. There's no turning of the pages. I, I, that's awesome. Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Again, what's the subject? He's talking to the Christians, right? That, that's us. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. Now pay attention, pay attention. Uh, uh, Paul, Paul is uh, uh, painting a picture for us. He's really just illustrating what this is. He says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That's pretty awesome. What a visual. That Christ was like, here it is. I better not give you the notes I'm looking off of. I'll give you the old ones. Christ, man, guilty, 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 guilty. Yeah, I love him. I love him. I hate what he's become. I hate the sinner and his sin, but guilty, guilty, guilty. What? You accept me as your Savior? Nail that to the cross. Amen. What What a thought that Paul is painting here. I wasn't going to turn here, but can we turn here? Now I'm going to hear scriptures because it isn't up there. Oh, Miss Aaron's going to go like this real quick. Revelation chapter 12, 10. We'll close here. We'll close right here. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. When, when, when I read this, visualizing the picture of our sin written down, and he nails it to the cross, I literally visualized this verse in my brain in Revelation. Look at this. Revelation 12, 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before, uh, uh, which accused them before our God day and night. Day and night he's accusing you and excuse me. Hey, look at what Tony thought of today. Look at that. You know what, Tony? You know what? He could have been here earlier, but uh, he spent an extra two minutes in the shower and then he went to the drive-thru to get a donut. Amen. Look, Lord, he's not perfect. He's not perfect. Day and night. Day and night. All Christ has to do is like that. Look. He's forgiven. Nailed to the cross. Forgiven, sinner. Amen. We are saved. Oh, we're sinners. We're sinners. 
Miss Kathy, we're sinners. We're saved sinners. Amen. We're loved sinners. Thank God we are forgiven sinners. Man, would you come find a hymn and uh, let's, let's have a verse of invitation. Let's, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word and allowing us, Lord, just to be partakers of the benefits. We screw things up every step of the way, yet your grace is sufficient. I love you, Lord. Help me to be a better pastor. Help me to be a better preacher. Help me, Lord, to be a better husband. Help me, Lord, to be a better father. Help me, Lord, to be a better friend, a better church member, a better co-worker, a better employee. Lord, help me to be better in my life in your name because we have a testimony to uphold. We have a gospel to get out. Help us be mindful of the lost. God loves them too. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we all stand and sing?